Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, And Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. Justice Anthony Kennedy announced his retirement from the Supreme Court this week. We discuss the impact on the court and the impact of the Trump presidency in today's podcast. This is Sarah from the left and Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsuit Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. Welcome to another episode, everybody. We have been doing a lot of Instagram lives. So if you're not on Instagram or if you are on Instagram and not following us, get on it, y'all, because that's quickly becoming our preferred platform. That's still real deep in Twitter, but I mean, I'm still on Facebook. But Instagram, we figured out how to do co-live so you can see both of our faces and we can chat. We had a very intense one on Wednesday where I cried the whole time about Anthony Kitty's resignation. And we had a very hilarious one on Monday about the... Dumpling Baby vignette before Incredibles. That was a big hit with all the people's sort of followed up on our conversation on Tuesday's show about that. So if you like Instagram or if you need a push to get on Instagram, go follow Pantsuit Politics on Instagram. We're going to talk today about the Supreme Court, which has been extremely busy, issuing lots of very consequential opinions. And in the midst of that, yesterday, we find out that at the end of July, Justice Kennedy will retire. And we know that everyone has strong feelings about this. I think those feelings surfaced faster and deeper. Maybe that's what's happening with social media, right? Every time it gets a little faster and a little deeper with the intensity Mm. of response. 
The White House has said that the president will choose a nominee from the list that he floated during the campaign. That's a list that pretty much everyone agrees was generated by the Federalist Society. So it's conservative justices, but it's it's at least people who are actual lawyers and um, <laughs> people who have some experience in life. And so... It's a qualified list of conservative justices for the most part. And there is concern about that, understandably, throughout the country. And we're going to try to talk through it the best we can. So I've calmed down just a little bit. I had a physical reaction to the news. I was walking my kids out of the library and I just got physically nauseous, which I did not expect. It felt after the weeks of really terrible news about what's going on at our border and the separation of families and honestly not great decisions from the Supreme Court about the travel ban about pregnancy crisis centers about unions about gerrymandering which important to note Justice Kennedy all sided with the conservative justices on that it's not like this is a liberal justice it was just very very upsetting that's why I cried all the way through our Instagram live but you know as Obama says, <laughs> although I'm mad at him. I'm going to get into that in a minute. The sun came up today. And I think where I'm at is, for me personally, I just, I wanted things to be like they were. <laughs> I'm just fundamentally in a in a temper tantrum space a little bit. Like, I just wanted it to be like Obama. I'm so, I told my friend, I'm so, this sounds, I think I've said this before. I'm so thankful that I had my three kids during the Obama presidency. And I just felt like I didn't have to worry about it. That's, I'm just gonna be honest. I didn't worry about it. I didn't pay attention. I was not that politically involved. And you know what? It was nice. I'm just gonna be honest. I was comfortable. I could focus on my life and my kids and what I wanted to do. And I'm just sad it's not like that anymore. I'm just going to be honest. I'm just sad. You know, we got listener, we've gotten a lot of listener messages like, how do we deal with the emotional toll of this? And I think part of it for me is just letting go of that. Like, it's not going to be like that. That was probably the exception, not the rule in a democracy. And last night, I just kept thinking about after John Lewis and his amazing tweet that was like, do not be despondent. Do not give up hope. This is the battle of not days and weeks and months, but years and a lifetime. And I just think about him and I think about Martin Luther King and I think about Susan B. Anthony who died. She died before she ever saw women get the right to vote. She was beaten. She was arrested for something that she never saw happen in her lifetime. And I think that what I always have to remind myself is that democracy takes effort. And you don't, you know, I'm a one. I just, this is an Enneagram one for all y'all that aren't big Enneagram people. But there's just a part of me that, like, I just want to get to the finish line and be like, okay, who I want's in charge and everything's going to go like I want it. It's going to be great. That is a childish and foolish vision of democracy built on a very privileged existence because there are a lot of people whose lives didn't get better during the Obama presidency on both sides of the aisle. And they never had the privilege or luxury that I did that, to not think about politics or not think about how these systems affect their everyday life. And so for me personally, I think I'm just realizing like it's time to step it up. You know, like it's this is what a democracy is like. It's a lot of work and a, the movement for social justice is never something we can just let other people take care of. You know, like it's not ever it's not always going to be something we can just relax and know the adults are in charge. It's not how it works, not how it's ever worked. And for me, 
I think that's going to look like a lot more using my law license, a lot more spending my weekends knocking on doors, not just for myself, but for other people and doing call time and doing all the things that you have to do in a democracy to keep the path of justice and liberty moving in the direction you want it to move. And sometimes it stalls and sometimes it goes backwards. But you don't break the chain, no matter how awful it looks. And we, like, honestly, like, yeah, it's really bad right now. But can you imagine how despondent abolitionists had to feel? Or suffragettes at certain points in history? Or the civil rights activists? Like, you know, we have a lot of amazing Americans in our history that felt like, This is the end of the world, who made the ultimate sacrifices on lots of levels. And nobody's asking right now, perhaps in the future, for us to get arrested or to put ourselves in physical danger. So the fact that we might have to feel threatened and have to get out there and do some work and sacrifice and be less comfortable than I have been in my life, it's not the end of the world. It just isn't. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard work. Democracy always is. But I don't see a lot of better options out there. That's just where I'm at today. You know, I'd like to just, I have the privilege and luxury probably of turning away. But I have three kids. And I can't do that. I can't do that. I have to stay calm and stay focused on the task and the objectives in front of us. And not lose hope. I'm, you know, my favorite phrase, I have to stay a prisoner of hope because I got three little kids and I want the world to be a better place for them. And it's not always going to be a straight line to that objective. But, you know, I have a lot of blessings and privilege and resources in my life. And it's time to step it up a little bit. That's where I'm at. Well, I think that probably the best thing that I can do right now is be sort of just a witness to some of the emotion around me. I recognize that calm is the least popular thing on earth to be right now. (laughs) I'm troubled by that. I also recognize that just by saying that I will enrage people because when you're in a state of being enraged and there's any disagreement with you, anger is disconnecting, right? Anger is very connecting for people who agree and anger is Mm -hmm. very disconnecting for people who don't agree. Perhaps what I can contribute to this conversation most effectively today is that judges are often unpredictable in our kind of partisan lenses. So we are mourning in some ways the retirement of Justice Kennedy because he wrote, for example, the majority opinion in the marriage equality case, which is super important, right? And he kept Roe versus Wade from being overturned in Planned Parenthood versus Casey. He also wrote the majority opinion in Citizens United. He also voted with the conservative justices in the Heller case, which rolled back municipal controls on guns, because he's a judge, not a politician. And I think that he did his best to discern what the law was regardless of what he wanted the law to be. And I think that's what really good judges do. David Souter was appointed by George H.W. Bush 
became a reliable vote with the, quote, liberal members of the court. Mm-hmm. You don't know what a judge is going to do. I think that I would be a very conservative jurist. And I'll tell you that for me, that means that Roe versus Wade is precedent. It's decided and it doesn't get overturned. When I look at what the court just did in the union case, I am no fan of unions. I do not substantively like the idea of any public employee being forced to contribute to a union. However, I don't think the court should just up and ignore precedent. And I think they did that in this case. And so as a conservative jurist, you know, I would view my role not as saying what outcome do I think sounds good here, but as what does the law say, right? What is my place in discerning the law as it develops over time? So we don't know what a Trump appointee will do. We know some of the questions. I share the concerns. I am not here to say, don't be mad. Don't feel what you feel. You should feel whatever you feel. I also, though, have a continuing and abiding faith in the justice system in the United States. As complicated and messy and imperfect as it is, I'm, I'm not, I'm at code red still about what's happening at our border. I'm not there yet on the Supreme Court because you just don't know what a judge will do when, when a judge is looking at his or her place in history in deciding some really significant cases. So to me, this goes to some of the this very complicated, quote unquote, civility conversation that's going on right now. 538 did this really great chat and they broke it down in four categories, basically like powerful people being uncivil to powerful people, non-powerful people being uncivil to powerful people, powerful people being non-uncivil to unpowerful people, and non-powerful people being uncivil to non-powerful people. So I think that's very helpful because I think really important in this conversation that's going on and people's really intense emotions about the Supreme Court is a conversation about power, a conversation about people who use their power fairly, people who are perceived to be using their power unfairly and not, quote unquote, following the rules. I think so much of the fury right now about Justice Kennedy's retirement is Mitch McConnell's shredding of Supreme Court precedent by refusing to seat Barack Obama's nominee and then going nuclear on Neil Gorsuch's nomination and getting rid of the 60-vote filibuster. That's the first thing. So, so much of this lies squarely at Mitch McConnell's feet. And I do not think history will look favorably upon him. And I am frustrated with Democrats in the past, including Barack Obama, who brought knives to gunfights when it came to the cutthroat politics of Washington, D.C. Sometimes I really miss Lyndon Johnson because brother knew how to play. So I think that there is a sense among those who are really, really angry right now, particularly on the progressive side, that I'm tired of playing by, I'm tired of playing by rules that other people don't have to play by. And I get that. And I think that you can play a really cutthroat game of chess without raging publicly. You know who does that all the time? Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell is not 
fanning the flames of fury and telling people to get upset and don't be calm and everything's at stake. He never does that. He puts his head down and he quietly outmaneuvers everybody. I would like to do that. I choose option Mitch. Like, I just want to see more of that. Not screaming about fascism and the world's going to come to an end. Like We don't have to do that to win. And I want to win. So that to me is like, I think there is a sense of that. Now, let me also say this. You know, I said on the podcast that I want the Trump administration to fail. And I got a listener email that was like, do you want our country to fail? Or do you just mean his policies? No, I don't want our country to fail. And I don't. When I'm talking about powerful people who I want to outmaneuver and I want their policies to fail, I am not talking about every Republican voter. I'm not going to rage at those people and treat them like enemies of the state. One, because I don't think it's helpful, useful, successful, I just, or the right thing to do. Just as a person of faith, I just don't think that's, I think there's a place to play politics and there's a place to acknowledge the humanness of every person in this country. And I'm not sure, I'm not going to tell you I know exactly where the line is every time. And it sure is heck hard for me to sort out right now with Justice Kennedy's retirement. But, you know, I think that This whole civility argument and the emotions people feel right now, particularly with Justice Kennedy's resignation, I think there is a really important distinction to be drawn when it comes to power. Are we talking about powerful people? Are we talking about non-powerful people? I don't think it helps anything to rage and scream about non-powerful people. I'm just going to be honest. I don't think that that's, like Beth said, I think that sort of anger is disconnecting You know, if you just want to say, don't be calm, everything's at stake, every person who's ever voted Republican is the enemy, I don't know the end game there. I really don't. Now, if you want to say, I feel such fury at Mitch McConnell, and I want to beat beat him at his own game, I'm the first line on the signature. Like, let's do that. Let's focus, I guess is what I'm saying. (laughs) Let's channel our energy in positive directions. If you want to say, don't be calm, vote, don't be calm, organize other people to knock doors, you're mad, you're angry, yes, things are at stake, Let me, let's channel that. That's fine. But I don't want to channel it at rage at every person who calls himself a conservative in this country. I don't think that's helpful. I don't think that's productive. I don't think it's good for our country or for ourselves. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsuit Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is, I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries, I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. 
free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pantsuit. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful, Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. You guys, I love my Aura frames. I have one in my office. I have one in my kitchen. I have given one as a housewarming gift. I have given one as Mother's Day. Father's Day. They are the most amazing gifts because this app is a game changer, in my personal opinion, in digital frames. It makes it so, so easy to get the pictures on there and even videos. It plays like you're in Harry Potter, you guys. It is the best. I love mine so much. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code Pantsuit at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. The crazy thing about this whole civility conversation is that it is mostly happening among people of power. Yes. The the people who are most at risk because of what is happening under this administration are not wasting their time on Twitter talking about civility. Yeah. And I think that's where I get really annoyed and and also where I struggle with how to use my voice because I don't want to co-opt someone else's experience. I, I'm, I'm comfortable acknowledging my privilege and then trying to figure out how to use it for good. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to take on the mantle of someone else so much that it's like I think I know better than they do. You know, I was saying to someone in a totally different context that what I've what I've realized about money over time is that and and kind of money and policy is that people who have more than enough always want more. Yep. And people who have enough but not more than enough are mostly mad that they don't have more than enough. Mm-hmm. And people who don't have enough just want enough and can't be heard in the conversation. Yep. And that's why I think so much of the ink being spilled about civility right now is such a waste of time because all of this is being talked about among people who have more than enough and people who can get involved in the process and change it and who can impact the system 
We've said not one word about Maxine Waters on this podcast because I think that she has her own set of life experiences and it is not for me to criticize where she's coming from. I think it would be inappropriate of me to sit here and say that what Maxine Waters has said is wrong or dangerous because she has a set of life experiences that I don't understand and I respect them. To me, that's part of owning up to your privilege, right? Mm-hmm. That you that you respect the voices and experiences of people who've, who've lived a different life than you and know some things that you don't know. What I think is unhealthy is all of us who have more than enough having conversations where we're just slicing away at each other over differences that for most of us are philosophical in nature. Instead of saying, what can we get together on and doing something on behalf of people who, who don't have the resources we do? And that's why I have spent a lot of my time and energy focused on the situation at the border, because that is a crisis happening today. There is nothing hypothetical about it. Yeah. And it is, I think, something where all of us should be able to put aside whatever other differences we have and say on a human level, this is wrong. And it is not wrong in some other universe, and it's not less wrong or more wrong than something else. It is plain and simply wrong, and we need to work together to fix it. And I think that that could be a step to the next step. I will tell you, I I don't think that the majority of Americans, and not just the pure majority, but like the majority of registered voters, the majority of likely voters, I do not think America wants to see Roe versus Wade overturned. I do not think America wants the Supreme Court to say, oh, just kidding about marriage equality. And then all the states ban, you know, pass laws to ban marriage equality. I I don't think that we can kind of put these things back in the box, and I'm thrilled about that. And if that kind of risk comes to pass, I think that moderate America will come out swinging on behalf of our LGBTQ friends and family, on behalf of immigrants, on behalf of women's rights. Like, I, I believe that... Part of what we are learning under the Trump presidency is about the fragility of our democracy and the necessity of participating in it. And so I'm not going to tell anybody how to feel about any of this, but I want to say to my fellow Americans who have more than enough, let's stop engaging in really stupid fights and fight the real fights together. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Because I just don't know what one more think piece about we don't need civility, everything's at risk, accomplish. The people who already feel like that feel like that. You are not. You don't need to convince them. People that feel threatened by that kind of rhetoric are not going to change their minds either. People who feel backed into a corner do dangerous things on both sides. When people ask, you know, what should I do? I feel infinitely better when I decide, okay, these are my action steps. For example, with gun violence, I joined Moms Demand Action. I go to the meetings. Days when there are gun violence, I don't get on social media. I don't need to feel, follow the fights. I don't need to engage on Facebook. It doesn't help. You know, I just have to focus on what I can do in my life. To, I have to stay engaged. I have to stay informed. 
I try to lead a positive conversation on this podcast (laughs) with you, and I try to figure out what I can do in my life. I mean, the real answer is, honestly, we all just need to freaking get off Twitter. Get off Twitter and get off Facebook and do something. If you feel like the stakes are high, you're not going to fix any of that on social media. You're just not. You're not going to change anyone's mind. The people who are already mad agree with you, and the people who already don't agree with you are just going to get more mad. Like, I just, you know, I think the the first best step for all of our mental health as we feel like things get more and more dangerous for fragile and at-risk populations is to get off social media and do something that will make a difference. I have a theory about how to fix social media that I don't think I've shared with you yet, Sarah. I'm excited. I love to fix things. That's well, why so, I'm struggling so hard right now. Just FYI. <laughs> well, and, and let me say that, too. I understand that the Supreme Court feels so much harder because as individuals, we have so little influence little. over the yep. Supreme Court. So little influence. But the Supreme Court has become so important in our democracy because we've not exercised the influence we have over our legislatures. We, we want the Supreme Court to, quote, save us from horrible state laws. So we got to get out and vote in our states. Yep. Okay, so off, off of my soapbox about that, here's my theory about social media. I've really been kind of exploring this idea of just witnessing things. And I've come to understand that social media is so dangerous and so powerful and sometimes so good Because it's this incredibly effective way of using judgments to predict behavior. Hmm. And so it's being built around getting us to make more judgments all the time so that our behavior can be more accurately predicted. And then the process of asking us to make judgments is starting to influence what those judgments are, right? So everything is about, do I like it? Do I go to thumbs up or a thumbs down? Do I love it? Does it make me angry? Does it make me sad? But like, we're getting more and more sophisticated ways to measure our judgments. And I think social media could be greatly enhanced by getting rid of all of the like, dislike, mm-hmm. hearts, whatever, and replacing it with a little I. Just, I see this. Mm. And I think that could be a really good way. Sometimes, like, the people who sort of overshare about their personal lives and clearly are needing some support, you just click, I see you, right? I see this. I'm thinking about you, whatever it is. And the people who are, like, just fanning the flames, like, they don't know if the eyes are, like, I see you and I agree with you or I see you and I think you're terrible. Like, it's just... Well, it could be like, either. It could be a nice reminder when you when someone posts something really hateful to just click it. I saw this, yeah. you know, and it hurt me. And and that we still get to measure, you know, for advertising purposes and all the other things that have to happen for social media to be sustainable. You still get to measure how many people you're reaching. I think it still works, but I just think it would be a good way to shift us out of constant assessment mode because you see that bleeding into the rest of our lives right we're in constant assessment mode and i think if we could just go into witness mode it would help us pause and be better human beings sarah and i have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible and skincare is a huge piece of that I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. 
They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online, and we were discussing the fact that I am 43, and she said, I cannot believe how young you look, and I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to 3rd Love, you can have both. 3rd Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code pantsuit at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Social media has added to a real sense already in this administration that There's no way to argue that things aren't changing, that certain populations or certain rights are at risk. I got used to not feeling that, and shame on me, because there were people that never had that luxury. And I'm not going to sit around and be sad that I'm not as comfortable as I used to be, because that's never promised to us, and certainly not in a democracy. I mean, there are people all over the world who risk their lives to get on and criticize their leaders in a way I do freely and openly twice a week, every week. 
I'm just going to, I'm just trying to take like the bigger picture historically and the bigger picture globally and realize like no one ever promised me anything. No one ever promised me, Sarah, you'll just be able to go about your life and never worry about your rights or your or other people's rights or the future of the country or making sure things are heading in the direction that you think is best for your children. Like that just, that was never assured to me. There's a ego part of me and a scared part of me that just, oh, that makes me so mad and it makes me so sad and it feels so unfair. But I got to feel that and then I got to take a deep breath and take the next step and take each day as it comes and do what I can. And that's going to look different for every single person in whose ears my voice reaches. But we got to just do that. We got to do what we can and help who we can and take care of ourselves when we, we need to and focus on the next day. Before we go, we want to leave you with a really beautiful email that we received from a listener. Dear Sarah and Beth, I'm a 52-year-old immigrant, now naturalized U.S. citizen with four children, and your episode on immigration was beautifully done. My beloved late husband was also an immigrant, and we both endured many, many well-meaning comments during our respective childhoods in the Midwest, comments and asides that would now be recognized as racist. I know in my heart that our American consciousness about diversity has evolved. People in my community now appreciate diversity. For my brown children, I'm grateful for that. Of course, there is also a different type of attention, i.e. intolerance and racism that also exist. But now there is more of a balance, and that's something. Evolution comes with growing pains. The same heart that loves my country also hurts at the thought of children in cages. As an immigrant, I see those brown children as looking just like my brown children, and that hurts even more. Sarah, some of your comments reminded me of a paragraph in the incredible novel by Barbara Kingsolver, The Poisonwood Bible, about a missionary family in the Congo. Have you read it? It's on page nine in the paperback version. I've copied it below. Thank you, Sarah and Beth, for your voices. And this is the passage from Barbara Kingsolver, fellow Kentuckian. You'll say, I walked across Africa with my wrists unshackled, and now I am one more soul walking free in a white skin, wearing some thread of the stolen goods, cotton or diamonds, freedom at the very least, prosperity. Some of us know how we came by our fortune, and some of us don't, but we wear it all the same. There's only one question worth asking now. How do we aim to live with it? Thank you, Monica, for that beautiful message. Thank you all for joining us. Next week, we will be off for the 4th of July, and we hope that you have a wonderful time celebrating with your families. We'll be back with you here on Tuesday, July 10th. Until then, keep it new on stone. Pansy Politics is produced by Dylan Garvin. Elise Knapp is our production assistant. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. Our show is listener-supported. Special thanks to our executive producers, Tracy Putoff, George Niedermeyer, James Randall, Cherry Haas, Nicholas Holland, and Chad Silvers. To support Pantsuit Politics and receive lots of bonus features, visit patreon.com slash pantsuitpolitics. You can connect with us on our website, www.pantsuitpoliticsshow.com. Sign up for our weekly emails and follow us on Instagram.